0: Um, We're reading this evening from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 18, and that is on page 1144 um, in the Red Bibles. So 1 Corinthians 1, starting at verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Boast in the Lord.
1: Thank you very much, Elspeth, for, for reading for us. Um, I want to keep saying thank you to David for uh, for giving me the opportunity to, to think through these things uh, with us together as a as a church family. Um, it, as Matt was saying, um, we we are doing things slightly differently in these evenings. Um, so. Um, if you're here visiting, then forgive us for a slightly um, different format. Uh, again, this week, um, we're going to spend some time um, chatting together or thinking on our own um, as I sort of throw some thoughts to you and then a little bit of to and fro uh, as well um, over the next um, 30, 40 minutes or so. Um, let, let's pray for, for God's help um, as we do that. Um, Lord God, we we, we do bring... Uh, the, uh, the things that we've been thinking about over this uh, last month to you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to puzzle about these things and uh, to seek to, to grow in understanding, uh, but more than mere understanding, to, to grow in, uh, in compassion and wisdom in the way that we manage uh, our own um, struggles in this area, and also the way that we uh, reach out to uh, and care for uh, those around us, uh, whether within the church family here uh, or others that uh, we know. Uh, please, please help us again uh, this evening, as uh, we think particularly about the way that we respond as a church together. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, so so that, is, that is kind of where we're going this evening. We are we're thinking about the way that uh, we can respond as a church. What we've we've done over the last few weeks. Um, is we have been thinking about um, a, a kind of a biblical perspective uh, on all of this, um, which has been to, to try and say that, that this is something that, that has a that has a connection with the scriptures, has a connection with the um, uh, with the gospel itself. Um, and which doesn't have a clicker that works in any way whatsoever. Uh, David, I'm not getting any uh, response back there. Um, I'll turn this on and turn it off again. Turn it on, turn it off and turn it on again. There's no little light on it. That, that would suggest an unhappiness to it. Um, I don't know if it's worth trying to change a battery uh, again just to see. Because um, otherwise... Just see you and well, then, then you'll be a genius, as, as we all know. Um, so, about three weeks ago, I was thinking about trying to, trying, trying to establish a connection um, to say, look, the, the, the kind of struggles that exist for those um, who have difficulties with their mental health are the kind of things that the Bible speaks about, despair, uh, fear, fear. Um, the um, Bible has lots to say on these themes. Um, and then I also wanted um, uh, to, um, uh, to explore a model, um, a way of thinking um, about these things that, that, that I think is avoid some of the, um, uh, the kind of all or none thinking that so often operates in this area. Um, so in this model, I was trying to pick out for us um, that we, the, the way that the Bible understands us, is that we have a, an active heart that is always um, engaging um, uh, with the world around us, um, with one another, and with the Lord. The heart is a sort of relational core of us. Um, the way in which we we respond um, in worship to God, or indeed we respond by worshiping things other than God, um, and uh, that sort of heart of us um, is, uh, is the core. Um, but we are embodied souls, or we're embodied hearts. Um, there, is, there is a physical frame, um, and what goes on in our physical frame clearly affects us hugely. And then we are set um, in a particular set of circumstances. And all three of those are always operating. We always have stuff going on around us. We always have stuff going on in our body and we are always doing things with our heart. And whether we are struggling with a mental health problem or not, all three of those things are help to define uh, what's going on in our lives. So when we think about somebody um, who is finding themselves uh, grappling with, with, with a mental health issue, um, it, we pay attention. Uh, to all three of those. Uh, Then we looked at um, a couple of the commonest um, kind of struggles that people have, Uh, anxiety um, that I spoke on a few months back and then last week we looked at depression. Um, This week then, um, trying to think a little bit about how we respond as a church uh, together. In a sense, the the question is how can we be... um, the very best church community we can be for anyone in our midst who is grappling with some difficulties in their mental health? Now what would it look like for us to be the very best church community we could be? Um, It's it's a question that is important for us because uh, these things matter to God. Um, So if we think about the Old Testament, Um, um, we think about a point when God is criticising the leaders of the Old Testament people of God um, in Ezekiel. Um, Here's one of the things he has to say. Um, He condemns the leaders who have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured, uh, who have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. Again and again, when you, you trace through what God wants of his people he wants them to care for the vulnerable he wants them to care for the needy Um, he wants his people uh, to have a heart uh, for those um, who are struggling shepherding God's people always has that in mind Uh, so we'd we'd want to be a church that cares well for people who struggle um, in in all sorts of areas but certainly in the area of, of mental health Um, And then the second reason, I think, that uh, we want to respond well in this way is because we live at a particular point in history um, when uh, struggles with mental health um, are at an extraordinary peak. Probably uh, never um, have we seen the levels that we currently have um, in the UK and in most major Western countries Um, uh, one in four this is probably the commonest quoted uh, mental health survey Um, it's from a few years back now but it seems to to be the one that most people uh, quote 2014 Um, one in four according uh, to the charity mind experience a mental health problem each year Um, one in six uh, report a common mental health problem in any given week now you remember three weeks ago um, I was saying there's all sorts of questions about where we draw our boundaries uh, around definitions of, of mental health. Um, and um, I wanted to raise some questions then about the over-medicalisation of life, uh, of normal life struggles. But, but even allowing for that, um, these figures are fairly extraordinary. And um, put in other terms, what it means um, uh, for a group of, of, of 100 people. Um, we probably are about 100 people tonight, aren't we? Something like that, I would guess approximately, eight of us um, with mixed anxiety and depression, Uh, six of us uh, with a generalized anxiety disorder, Uh, four with some consequences of trauma from the past, Uh, three of us with a significant depression, Uh, two of us with phobias, one with an obsessive compulsive disorder, Um, if we were an average hundred. Um, It's quite striking to think in those terms. but the, 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 the rise that has been taking place was only exacerbated by COVID. That's what the stats seem to say. Um, there was already a, a sort of a, a steady increase in the number of people reporting problems in this area. Um, COVID just accelerated that for a time. Um, and and I I tried to think what what it means for us as a church, what it means for us as a society, Um, and and I sort of tried to capture it in in a few visuals, see if this this helps you think about it. If if that, um, what should we call it, should we call it a pyramid rather than a triangle? If if that pyramid represents um, uh, people with mental health struggles, wide at the base because there are a large number of people with milder problems, narrow at the top because there are a smaller number of people with the more severe struggles in this area, Well, you will understand that um, there is a limited amount of mental health expertise, uh, professional services. Um, In other words, it means that there is a threshold that you need to reach um, in order to access um, those um, specialist services. Um, um, Slices off, as it were, the the most... um, Those who are struggling most um, in this kind of area. Um, well, if the st- statistics show that the number of people um, grappling with this has increased, um, then uh, the pyramid is bigger. But you and I both know that the, um, the amount of professional services has not increased proportionately. Um, the NHS is strapped for cash. Um, And what this means is that um, we still slice off uh, the top of that pyramid. You still need to be in in the most severely troubled uh, zone uh, to access help. Um, And and what that therefore means um, is that the the number of people under that threshold, uh, the number of people who are not able to access um, specialist help and input, not only has it got larger, um, as, as that graphic suggests, but also the severity of the struggles that people are experiencing without being able to access um, specialist help has also um, increased. Uh, what does that, that, that means? Uh, well, it, it means that um, not only is there um, a challenge for the church, but there's also an opportunity for the church. Um, Those working in this field are very, very much aware that they are not able uh, to provide the the amount of care and input that is needed uh, for the number of people who are struggling um, in our society at the moment. And they realise increasingly that there is going to need to be uh, some sort of collaboration um, with input from others um, in society in order to, to... to meet the need that has increased so dramatically. And church is going to be one of the few communities, I think, uh, that have both the resources and the community network uh, that is able to step into this zone. Um, and I think there is a huge opportunity uh, for church. Um, it, it, there's also an, in, there's an internal and an external sort of view to that. Um, what those sort of statistics mean is that there will be more of us um, in the church family um, who are struggling in this area and getting um, little or no um, expert input from anyone Um, and so there will be an onus on us uh, to care for one another in that kind of way. Uh, But it also means that around us in our community similar thing exists and the opportunity to be able to offer care um, to uh, to our community will be there as well um, if we can find the right thoughtful ways of doing that and um, what kind of response should it be well um, it seems to me that um, it needs to be um, a response that is, that is both thoughtful um, but also enthusiastic I've, I've often thought that in all sorts of ways I reckon that, that churches should have a disproportionately large number of people struggling with mental health problems in their midst. We we ought to have more than, you know, the the average. Um, And I think we should have more than the average for two reasons. Um, One is, I think, people who struggle with their mental health um, are aware of their neediness. They're aware that things are, are not as they should be. And I think that awareness of neediness will often uh, make people um, uh, attentive to and receptive to um, the message of Jesus Christ, um, because they sense that all is not well, and they are willing. Um, there isn't. You, you remember how Jesus speaks. You know how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. You know, like a like a camel going through the eye of a needle. You know, why is he saying that? Because rich people are kind of self-sufficient. Um, and their sense of need at a spiritual level um, is pretty muted, um, he was suggesting. Well, well, I think in a similar way, um, uh, people who are poor, um, Jesus was saying, more likely to come to him. Well, I think people who are spiritually, uh, who are, who are struggling in their mental health more likely to come to Christ. So that's the first reason. I think the second reason that we ought to have a disproportionately large number of people in our church struggling with these kind of things is because we care for them really well. Because, because church is a brilliant place to be um, when you're finding these things hard. People love you in church. People accept you in church. People um, find all sorts of ways to support you um, and people say church is, church is one of the best places for me to be. Um, the response therefore um, that people experience in church is, is eager. People aren't sort of reluctant to get involved. Um, they're very glad to be involved. Um, people are compassionate. Uh, there's no sense of critical, no, no sense of blaming people for struggling uh, with these things. Um, that. The response that we give is gospel-shaped. Um, what I've been trying to say, how can we find a, a gospel-shaped way of responding? We bring the Bible to bear um, upon uh, these kind of struggles. Um, and for sure, a response that is wise, knows its limits, um, knows what we can and what we can't offer. Uh, I think it was one of Helen's lines in the, um, in the book that we wrote together. that. Um, Church shouldn't try to do everything but it mustn't do nothing. Um, it needs to catch itself in the right way. So um, I suggest to you that there is a huge need. Um, I suggest to you that it's, a, that it's a, a call from God for us to care well. Um, I want to suggest to you that as a church we should want to be brilliant at this And I want to tell you that I think we're not. Uh, And my question to you is why? Um, What gets in the way of church, of our church, engaging well and caring well for those who struggle with their mental health? That's my question because I don't think we do it well. Um, I don't think church has historically done it well. And I don't think Christchurch does it well certainly not as well as we could do. So, so why? That's my, that's my first bit of conversation. So have a little chat um, with someone near you, if you would like to, or think on your own. Um, and I am going to ask for some, some comeback on this. Um, so I reckon that we could come up with at least five, maybe 10 uh, reasons that we don't do this well. See, see how we get on. Okay, let's, um, let's see what we come up with. Um, I, I, think, I think there are lots of factors at play um, in um, the barriers, um, reasons. So I'd uh, love, to, love to hear what you've thought of. You, you may well have thought of things that haven't occurred to me. Um, any suggestions, things that you think inhibit us from doing this well? Or as well as we could? Oh, it's going to be quiet. Anyone going to be bold? Give me my first one. Our barriers. What barriers? What gets in the way? Yes. The... Okay. Okay. Two, two things from Martine. If you couldn't couldn't hear. So so, um, the first thing Martine was saying that she didn't feel equipped. Uh, it feels as though you ought to have some training to do this. And secondly, a fear um, of doing harm. If I say the wrong thing, could I, could I, could I do some damage here? Great, that's two. Um, uh, other things? What would other people think? Yeah. Lesleyanne, thank you. Um, again, lo- lots of things tucked into what Lesleyanne has just been saying. Um, p- pick out some of them very briefly. I mean, um, the, the time issue, I think, is, is quite significant, isn't it? I mean, maybe one of our fears is, if I, you know, is this going to take too much of my time? If I do, you know, kind of step towards somebody who is struggling, am, am I going Is too much going to be asked of me? That could be one thing. But, but the, the first thing you were saying is, are we able to recognise? Um, do we make it easy um, for people to say that, that they are struggling? Um, is that an issue? Um, and, we, and again, we'll come back to that as well, um, how hidden these things are. Any, any other thoughts? Other things you think get in the way? Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Cara. Um, again, if you couldn't, couldn't hear, Kara, Kara was saying that um, there is a. Because so, so many of these things can last a long time, um, people, people can be left with a sense of, you know, what do you mean you're still struggling with this? Oh, for goodness sake, sort yourself out. I mean, you know, people can end up feeling as if that is the message coming. Um, and, and, and similarly, all um, right, oh, no, what was the first thing you said? I've oh, now slipped out of my head. Oh, yes, the, the, and, and that there is a sense at church that we're all supposed to look marvellous and we're not allowed to, to, um, to acknowledge struggle. You know, Christians have to be joyful. Christians have to be doing very well. You know, um, th- those are the, the marks of living a good Christian life. Do you, do you know what I mean? So we, we can communicate, we can give that message to one another, um, which, again, pushes underground... Um, the person who, who doesn 't feel like that, um, anything else? any other things you think get in the way yeah, Sarah? Um, so, uh, Yes Sarah uh, Yes, the expectation that people fit in and, and conform and act in a particular way so you know, if you if you are struggling with a, with a one of the more severe mental um, health problems, perhaps with intermittent bursts of, of, of psychotic illness um, and restlessness, and you know, doing what all of you are doing at the moment would be very, very difficult. Sitting quietly, listening to me drone on. Um, I know, somebody who is restless, um, perhaps because of medication that they're taking, perhaps because of the the symptoms of the psychosis itself wouldn't be able to do that um, and so we create a context that is very difficult uh, for somebody with, with a more severe mental illness um, yeah thank you. Uh, anyone Vern? Yes yeah we, we, we are we either don't have yeah we don't have models or as you say those models are hidden um, which, which sort of ties into to, to the issue of... Um, well, I, I suppose we use the word stigma. Um, that there is, although, although I think the stigma associated with mental health uh, issues has decreased. Um, people, people are more public about it now than, than they were even 10 or 15 years ago. But nevertheless, I think there is still, there is still a significant bit of stigma associated uh, with these kind of difficulties, which means that often the issues, the, the, the experience of it is underground, and so therefore we don't, we don't get an impression of how people are caring, um, what that looks like, and how we can learn from it. Um, I, I think, I mean, I, I'm glad you haven't mentioned the first couple that, that I threw up on, on, on my sort of slides, which is that this isn't our business, nothing to do with us, leave it to the experts. Um, may, maybe you, I, I've so persuaded you. Uh, that this is our business, that, that's, that's passed, great, um, that's good. Um, but, but, I, but I think that still exists for many churches, thinking that, you know, our business is the spiritual stuff um, and these sort of mental health struggles, well, that, that, that's, you know, we have to pass that over to professionals um, and that's why I spent a long time uh, three weeks ago uh, pushing on that. Um, some of the other ones um, I think we've talked about already, you yeah, feeling de-skilled or un, untrained... Um, the fear of doing harm, um, too time-consuming, we talked about all of those. Um, stigma, I mentioned that as well. Um, the whole area of confidentiality and privacy, I suppose that sort of ties in with the, st- with the issue of stigma. Um, harder to talk about these struggles. Um, we've got a prayer meeting coming up, and we're week on Wednesday, I think. Um, and y- it will be much easier for us to talk and to pray for, I would suggest to you, people who are struggling with a physical illness than it will be for us to talk about and pray for somebody uh, who's struggling with a mental health issue. Um, and and some, of, you know, some of that's appropriate, we're, we're wanting to respect privacy, but um, it does mean that it, it, it sort of, again, it disappears underground, uh, it means it doesn't get talked about. Um, so let's have a next bit of, bit of conversation. How could, what could, what could church do? Um, what could our church do uh, to reduce the stigma that people feel um, about struggling uh, in relation to their mental health? Uh, again, a little bit of conversation and then um, we'll see what you come up with. Again, I think there are, there are loads of... Um, Loads of ways you could answer this. Um, lots of things that I think will make a contribution. Um, so d- 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 two or three things briefly, things that have occurred to you um, that might help us in this area or are helping us in there. Maybe, maybe the things we're already doing. Um, Anything that's occurred to you? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Um, I, I mean, talking about it. You know, however well or badly I do it, doesn't. In a sense, it doesn't really matter. The fact that we are talking about it um, is itself um, a a good step. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, When things are normalised. Yeah, yeah. So overcoming. uh, Again, sorry if you couldn't hear, uh, Martin, at the back. Overcoming taboo um by um you know the, the more you talk about these things the 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 more kind of accepted conversation they can be, and so the taboo begins to decrease um, um, you're right, you're right. yes I can Yes, thank you. It, it makes a big difference, um, I mean, regardless of whether you do a particular series like we are at the moment, but that, um, that these things do get mentioned by those of us who, who have the, 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 the privilege of preaching. Because um, if, if you think about it, if, if, when, we, if when we choose examples of, of things that this Bible passage might apply to, if we never walk in the direction of these mental health struggles, um, if, for example, um, you know, we never talk about you know, how would this apply to somebody who's really struggling with their alcohol intake? Um, how would this apply to somebody who finds themselves in a situation of domestic abuse? If, if we never mention those kind of issues from up front, then the subliminal message is that that sort of problem doesn't exist here. So if that is your problem, please don't talk about it because we don't we don't accept this as being. Do you, you see what I mean? It, it's, it's a the, the implicit message is if you never if you never speak about those kind of more s- sort of significant s- sort of severe struggles up front, um, we don't think that they're our problem, um, and so it just forces people to think. So I mean not I mustn't talk about this. Sarah, are you going to add something? Yeah, so there are some things that can be done up front, but there are some things that all of us can do. Um, I, I sometimes think of it in this sort kind of way. Um, how do you respond to the question, um, hi, how are you? Now, now probably most of us say, fine, how are you? you know, and, and we just, you know, that, that's the way it goes. Um, it, it would make a big difference to the culture of our church if when somebody said, hi, how are you, you told them how you were. Now, I know you need to be careful with that, because, you know, Hi, how are you? Well, do come and sit down. <laughs> I, I'd love to tell you how I am. You've got half an hour or an hour? No, I mean, I, I know that, that, you know, people are not expecting a half-hour sort of report um, when they make that comment, but if you have got a, a kind of a, a two-minute version, or even a 60-second version of how you are, that is honest, and involves a little bit of vulnerability, then with that one-minute response, you have contributed to the change of the culture of the church. Because every time somebody says, Hi, are you? And you're fine. How are you? Fine. Good. We're all fine. Good. Let's say, we're oh, marvellous. We're all fine. You know, we are doing exactly what we were talking about earlier on. We are creating a culture where actually saying how you really are doesn't feel permissible. So we can all make that sort of one-minute contribution. Um, by thinking, how will I respond just a little bit honestly um, to how I am? There's so some good things, maybe, but, but also some things that are tough. Um, I, I think makes a big difference. Um, uh, what, what other things? I, I think we've got to be careful with humour. That occurs to me. Um, um, jokes about therapy. Um, casual comments about um, labelling people. Um, people who are bulimic people who are borderline it's very easy to sort of throw that sort of comment in um, and then you reinforce stigma um, and testimonies I don't think we're very good at that here are we um, we, we could do a lot better um, in, in inviting people to talk a little bit about um, um, how they might be struggling. Obviously, you've got to be careful. People have got to be, be willing to do that, and it's a pretty vulnerable thing to do. Um, and, and it needs to be a testimony, doesn't it, where it's not sort of, you know, I had this, you know, I had this real struggle, and the Lord has met me, and I'm marvellous again now. Um, you know, that's not a tremendously helpful testimony, actually. Much better to have somebody who's, who, you know, this is, this is something I struggle with. I've been struggling with it for a lot of years. Um, and this is how I find God sustains me in the midst of that. Um, that's, that's a representation of what it looks like um, to walk the life of faith um, through something that's hard. Um, the, the kind of books we put on our bookstore, um, I don't know if you ever noticed the little booklets that we have in the, in the foyer downstairs. That was a little thing we did a few years ago, a um, number, number of those little small booklets um, describing um, at least the beginnings of thoughts about a response to somebody who's... Um, uh, who's the far side of um, the experience of, of adultery in a marriage, um, or um, who is um, self-harming, um, or somebody uh, who's had an abortion and is struggling? The far side of that. If we put booklets in the foyer that sort of at least at least has the beginnings of something about those things, what are we saying? We're saying these are the kind of things that we know are difficult and we know are a struggle for people in our church family and we want to be offering something about those. Um, and we put them in the foyer, so it was kind of one of the first things you saw. Um, um, seminars and teaching interviews, we talked about that. Okay, um, I've got sort of one, one other bit of conversation I want us to have before I just have some wrap up comments. Um, and, and, it's, um, and it's this, um, with... Um, oh, sorry, I've got to click on. Um, um, I've heard this kind of statement um, in different ways over the years many times. Um, with my mental health struggles, says someone, the people who've shown most interest and best, been most ready to talk and simply been there for me have been my non-church friends. Um, I've, I've heard that said many times. Why do you think that is? Um, have a just last little bit of conversation together um, th- thoughts on this um, What occurs to you uh, about i mean i 'm assuming that you, you agree with it, maybe you don 't but i mean, for, for those who have had this experience then, put it like that, um, why might this be the case? You don't agree with it? Okay, well, you, no, you're, you're, not, you're not allowed then, Martine, because... Well, it's, it's very hard not to generalise, because uh, if I started talking about individuals, then that would, that would be another problem. Um, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, so Martin is uh, suggesting that, in a sense, sometimes um, uh, as Christians, um, with our Bibles, with the Gospel, with Jesus, we think we have the solution. Um, and we think we ought to be able to sort stuff out. Um, and somebody who's not a Christian doesn't have the Bible, doesn't have Jesus, doesn't think they've got the solution, um, so they don't try and sort people out. They just listen um, and sympathise and care and try and understand. Whereas y- you can imagine how sometimes the Christian is, is listening but only, only enough to be able to, to, to see the crack in the door that they can try and throw the gospel through at high speed. Do you see what I mean? I mean, it, you know, we think we ought to be able to make stuff better because we've got Jesus after all. Surely Jesus makes stuff better, doesn't he? Sort of, you know, isn't that great? Um, and, and that leads us to expect to be able to solve things. Um, and we move into solving mode instead of just listening and trying to understand mode. Um, Yeah, and and the unnerving thing about Job's friends is their theology seemed pretty good. Actually, you know, know, it's quite an unnerving interchange with them. Um, You know, Job seems to be saying all sorts of things that, you know, make you feel pretty uncomfortable. Um, And yet at the end of the book, God says he spoke the truth. Um, And the friends who, you know, as you say, had all sorts of things to say, yeah. Yeah, which, which, thank you, um, which, I, which I think sort of t- ties in with, um, with, with these kind of things, that within church we, we, have a, we have a culture of success, a culture of efficiency, a culture of sortedness. We like our church to appear to be, you know, kind of doing terribly well and, and being sorted, and we like Christians to look sorted as well, which, which sort of ties into that same idea that, you know, if we've got Jesus, surely that should make everything better. Um, and so we, we drift in this direction um, uh, in all too easily um, in, in the way that pe- people, um, uh, as you say, and, and, it, and there, is a, there is a generational thing as well. Um, it really has become a very prominent issue um, in the kind of the under-30s um, uh, over recent years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how much are we investing um, in, in the strength of the relationships we have? Um, you know, we, the, the Bible would have us talk about this as, um, as our church family, um, and yet it's all too easy to, to treat it more like a, you know, an event that we come to um, instead of a, a community uh, that we belong to, which does involve investment of of time. Um, I think I'd also want to, um, yeah, go on Olaf. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what we're doing this evening by having conversations to and fro is, you know, slightly... And, and there are some of you who love this and some of you who are thinking, you know, great, next week we can get back to a proper sermon and I can just sit and listen and nobody's going to put me on the spot. So, I mean, it, you know, we vary um, in, in what we appreciate. But, but yes, your, your point is, as church gets bigger, you know, it, it, it's harder to, be, to, 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 to have that measure of informality and flexibility. Um, and um, the, it, it's hard to get round that, and that's why our small groups are so important, um, because there are things that you know, the thing, relational engagement that can happen in our small groups that that are much, much more difficult to achieve um, in a gathering even of this size, never mind a, a larger number on a Sunday morning. Um, it, it, one Corinthians, I think, um, is helpful to us, and. Um, you'll know that um, you know that the, one of the, the critiques that Paul brings to the church in Corinth is, is regarding its disunity uh, that appears there in chapter one on page one one four four and um, his press in the passage uh, that Elspeth read um, is Paul is really pushing against the idea of of that kind of superiority that looks down on others Um, and um, says, verse 27 um, or verse 26, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. God chose the foolish to shame the wise, the weak to shame the strong. Um, In other words, if we have a sense of not feeling puffed up and terribly impressive... Um, then the, 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 the type of relationships we will forge, the way in which we talk to each other, uh, the, the, the degree to which we will make it easier for people who are struggling, to be honest about their struggles, increases. Or put it the other way, the more that we are terribly impressed with ourselves and like to, everyone else to be impressed with us, the harder we make it for somebody who's struggling. Uh, to be honest, um, about their struggles. Um, last bit of discussion that you're not going to have um, because we haven't got time um, would be to say, what, what do we do when, um, it's one of the first things we talked about, um, how can we best respond when we feel um, out of our depth and, and feel de-skilled? Um, just a few brief comments and then we're going we're to stop. I, I want to suggest that um, here are some of the things we can do. Um, don't pretend to know. Um, humility when faced by somebody who is brave enough to, to share with you a particular struggle. Okay, my son is, um, um, is wrestling uh, with, uh, with ADHD. Um, and you could choose to sort of nod wisely and say, oh, yes, sorry about that. Um, or you could say. I don't know much about ADHD, you know, d- d- tell me more, what, what does that mean? Just ask, be, be interested, um, rather than kind of feel awkward and embarrassed that you, you don't know anything about, you know, neurodiversity, you never heard of, you know, you heard that word once on the radio and you don't know what it means. Well, ask, you know, be interested. Um, rather than needing to, to pretend or feel embarrassed that you don't ask. Um, and if you find yourself involved with somebody and you, you, you don't know how best to help, well, with the permission of the, of the person and in sort of collaboration with them, involve others. Maybe there's somebody in the church who does know um, and could be more help. Um, and so um, widen the circle, as it were. Um, and, and read. Read. Don't um, don't stay ignorant. Um, there's loads of stuff you can find out about. You find yourself in relationship with somebody who's struggling with a particular thing. Say, you know, have you read things that, that are helpful um, that you could pass on to me, um, or I'll you know let me let me do a bit of um, a bit of reading around so that I can try and understand what you're going through better. I mean, that just seems like an obvious way to try and love somebody, doesn't it? Um, and and maybe you know go further, get some training. Uh, I mean, you know that. I now spend most of my time working with Biblical Counseling UK and the, um, the, the training uh, that we do um, isn't exclusively about mental health. Um, a lot of it is, is simply about getting better at bringing the gospel to bear on people's lives um, and becoming more skilled um, in, in conversation uh, with people that is loving. Um, and the, the, the training that we offer um, is aimed at that. Um, we're hoping, um, sometime in the next couple of years, that one of the, um, one of the venues for training will, will be in Cambridge um, so that people could do it uh, more easily here. And the, the skills or the... Um, yeah, I call it the skills. The, the, the skills that we might have um, will vary. Um, we all have casual conversations um, with people over coffee or tea or, you know, wherever. You know, we all we have bits of chat. Um, some people uh, develop um, a high level of experience and get very good at talking to people who are um, facing really difficult things. And then there's a whole sort of mid-zone between those two extremes. But wherever, wherever we are on that kind of spectrum, I think we all want to be moving to the right. You know, we want to be getting a bit better at being able to love people in, in our conversations, you know, a bit better, a bit more confident. Um, uh, and whether we do that simply by uh, moving towards people who are struggling, um, uh, or we find other ways. Um, People would have have seen me talk about this verse before, um, and we'll we'll close with this, I think. Um, Ephesians 4.29 uh, is an extraordinary verse. Um, Just scan through that. Um, And I often ask people what the two scariest words in that verse are. Anyone want to suggest? Two scariest words in that verse. Oh, you're looking very... Thank you, Peter. Um, any and only. It's extraordinary. You see what God is asking us of there. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. It's an extraordinary demand to put in front of us, isn't it? Um... How about aiming for that? Um, uh, The the, the book that Helen and I wrote um, is just a small contribution to that. Um, I know a number of people have have bought it. Um, Maybe you've even started to read it. Um, I I think a plan is that um, in the new year, um, we might have the offer of people getting together a few times um, just to chat through um, uh, what's written there. that would be one of the things that we're thinking about about doing to try and take this further forwards. Let me pray, and um, then Matt's going to come and just lead us into a final song. Uh, Our Lord God, we we do look at um, Ephesians 4.29, and um, it, it is astonishing what is asked of us um, by you, uh, that uh, the way in which we uh, speak to, to others um, is only building them up, uh, is never um, unwholesome or unhelpful. And Father, we, we know that, uh, like so many uh, claims upon us uh, in Scripture, we'll... Uh, will never fully satisfy that ambition. Um, we, we trip and stumble with our, with our words in so many ways. James makes that clear, the, the tongue is um, unruly. Uh, but we, we do want to ask that you'd help us, um, that you would help us to speak well to one another, um, that we would speak with, with greater honesty about our own uh, struggles, uh, that we might Contribute to to a culture that is um, uh, that is willing to be more more vulnerable, more honest, um, remembering that we come to Christ as people who are needy and find uh, the wonderful medicine of the gospel. Uh, and we pray that um, we might know how to speak uh, to to those around us who are facing uh, struggles and difficulties and that we might grow in our capacity um, to speak wisely and well um, and to to bring uh, the riches of the gospel to bear. Uh, And we ask you in Christ's name, amen.